0: Broadcasting live from the Business Radio X studios in Atlanta, Georgia, it's time for CEO Exclusive, brought to you by Anona Enterprises.
1: Good morning, everyone, and welcome to CEO Exclusive Radio, where we get emerging trends from CEOs and their most trusted advisors. And on today's show, I'm really delighted to have Jim and Bridget Fitzpatrick, um, who run CBT Automotive Network, one of the largest media outlets for retail, the retail automotive industry in the country. And um, I'm really excited. I always love to have a husband and wife team on the show. <laughs> and I'd love to start off by uh, telling, having you tell us a little bit about what CBT actually does, what your reach is and what some of your products are.
0: Sure, sure. Thanks for having us. We're excited to be here. Um, CBT, the probably the easiest way to explain what CBT is for the people that are listening would be to say, we are the CNBC for the retail automotive arena. And what I mean by that is much like CNBC that people may be familiar with, we have industry executive uh, interviews on our newscast every single day. We've got trends that are happening in the retail automotive uh, arena. Each day, we start with the newscast. In addition to the newscast, throughout the day, we have other programs on the show hosted by all of the top trainers and consultants within the automotive industry. And uh, so, it's so when when I kind of make that connection with people that I tell about CBT, you know, and people ask me, you know, what is it, what is it all about? Um, that's probably the closest thing I can tell you is that we're the CNBC, as I said, of of the car business. So,
1: great. <clears throat> and I always love to start the show off by asking our CEO uh, guests, what are the trends in your industry that you think CEOs. Uh, other CEOs would be interested in knowing. So tell us about what's happening with cars.
0: Yeah, sure. Um, a lot's happening with cars. We, you know, we, For the last three years, we've had record sales in new car sales um, in the United States, which has been very, very exciting. There's some talk now about maybe uh, the industry leveling off a little bit. But if it leveled off, it would be at 17 and a half million new vehicles sold. So every dealer that hears me talk about it, you know, the industry leveling off, they'll have a smile on their face because, well, we'll take 17 and a half million new cars, if, if that's what it means. Um, that compared to nine million vehicles sold during 2008, 2009, when, when we were going through the recession. Um, so dealers are very, very happy right now. However, they are challenged uh, with new things that are coming about that uh, that kind of change the way vehicles are being sold. Um, you know, we've got a company out there called Tesla. And Tesla has got a business model that's very unique in the sense that they sell their products directly to consumers without using a franchise dealer network. Um, little concerning, you know. You there's dealers out there that look at Tesla and say, "Uh oh, you know, if this if this concept spreads and it's successful, which thus far it has been very successful, you're going to find that there may be other manufacturers. All it takes is one big manufacturer, such as a Toyota or a Nissan or Ford, that says, "Well," wait a minute, maybe we should sell our products directly to consumers and cut out the franchise dealer. So it's very concerning of dealers, obviously. Uh, digital still plays a tremendous role uh, in uh, the sales of vehicles uh, to consumers. So dealers, dealerships and dealers are trying to get their hands around how, how to the best way to deal with consumers that come in uh, online versus the traditional walking in the showroom and kicking the tires. Now there's a term in the industry that people don't kick tires; they click tires. So dealers, you know, uh, many of them are baby boomers, such as myself, and I was in the car business for 30 years. So I know the feeling of wow, all of this is changing, and this is this is not the way. This is not my father's car dealership, and uh, so I think there's there's a lot happening right now in the in this in the space uh, in the retail automotive automotive environment. That is, you know, a little bit concerning. We're having great sales, but there are some challenges out there that we still have to be laser focused on.
1: And Bridget, I know that you're one of the anchors on on the on the network. So tell us a little bit what, about what's happening on the media side that might be a little bit different or of interest to to listeners.
2: The media side for the automotive industry is rather small. Um, We are the only media company that's actually catering directly to the retail side of the business. There are other media companies such as um, Automotive News that caters more towards the manufacturer side. And then you have the media, you know, such as CNBC and things that cater to the consumer side. But really, it's a small space in our industry. And right now, CBT is the only one that's that's catering directly to the retail side of the business. Mm-hmm.
1: And how is social media and the advent of digital, all this digital proliferation of digital media affecting your business model and your and what you do?
2: It's affecting it. I mean, it's really, you have to be involved in social media now to really stay ahead of the, the curve here. We're heavily involved. We have a social media director that makes sure that we're, Pushing all of our content out there, it's really in, people use that as a news source as well. You know, they, they don't just t- tune into CBT News online or you know watch the news on TV anymore. I actually get my news from from Twitter right now, so it's extremely important.
1: Mm-hmm. And you know, before we were talking a little bit about the the growth of CBT and how you've gotten to over a hundred thousand um, subscribers, or you know, your market or your your community is about a hundred over a hundred thousand people. True. How have you grown that quickly?
0: Sure. So to put that in perspective, there's a little over one million people that work at new car dealerships in the US, and that's seventeen thousand roughly seventeen thousand five hundred new car dealers in the US representing about thirty two thousand franchises. So when we first started, we we our business model was that we would provide all of our content free of charge uh, to everyone in the industry, those those million people, so to speak. And uh, through the, you know, the graciousness of our great sponsors that we uh, that we have on air and, and in our magazines and our newsletters, they make that possible for us to push out all of our content <coughs> to these these individuals within the car business. Well, what we found happens is that you'll get a sales manager or the president of a dealer group that will tune into our show, and he'll send a note to us saying, "Would you please sign up every one of our." One thousand employees we, It's great content, it's positive content. It's news and information <coughs> that our management team and our salespeople need on a daily basis. Um, so here, here are all of the emails. Could you start sending and, and have you know all of our uh, employees become subscribers? Then we of course we do we work all of the different conferences, the National Auto Dealers Association. We've got um, a pretty substantial representation there. And um, so we'll we're getting subscribers, you know, at a very, very fast pace. And you mentioned social media earlier. That's another great way to obviously get the word out about any company. Uh, But when you're offering a free subscription um, for news and information in a very niche market, (laughs) such as the retail car business. Um, you don't have to get all choked up over it. I know these are startling numbers, <laughs> <I know. laughs> That's funny. Uh, but uh, but but really, I think it's you know the our growth has been um, really fueled by the fact that the subscription is is you know no charge, so you can only benefit from it.
1: So you were talking a little bit about disruption before and how Tesla is kind of disrupting, yes, the automotive industry. Talk to us a little bit about how. Yeah. You see that playing out, let's say, over the next few years. Well,
0: that's interesting because I'm kind of passionate about this Tesla issue. and and I think probably I, I put my car dealership, my car dealer hat on. Um I was a dealer principal for for a number of years in the industry. And I think that the Tesla business model, while Tesla, by the way, is a phenomenal company, I have great respect <coughs> for the job that Elon Musk is doing and has done. The car is phenomenal. I don't want anybody listening to think, oh, he's he's really got a problem with the Tesla brand. I, I don't. Um, however, I do think that the business model that they have selling vehicles directly to consumers, dealers need to step up and take a look at that. We went to the National Auto Dealers Association and we said, what are you doing to combat that uh, Tesla business model, you know, among the state uh, legislate legislators? Because uh, in many states, as you may know, it was against the law for <coughs> manufacturers to sell their products directly to consumers. They had very strong franchise laws uh, set up years ago to protect, you know, the families and dealers uh, so that this wouldn't happen. Well, that's eroding now, including the state that we're in right now here in in Georgia, where Tesla went from being able to have two or three dealerships to now being able to have five. And they're pushing that uh, envelope even further. So you can imagine that, you know, you've got dealers that have, you know, a thousand employees, fifteen hundred you know, in the case of AutoNation, they've got, uh, I think, uh, 15,000 employees. So when you look at that, it, it's, you know, in the event that Ford or Nissan decides to take the business, uh, that business model, there's not a dealership out there or, deal, or a family that owns a dealership that isn't, you know, in in the crosshairs of the manufacturer that they've been working with. So they've been a big disruptor. Um, you know, I think when we went to the NAD and we said, what are you doing to combat this state by state? They said, we're leaving it really to the States and the state (coughs) associations. So then we went to the state associations and we said, well, what are you guys doing to help dealers in, in your state so that the Tesla, you know, Tesla can't change the laws. And they said, it really at the end of the day that would be such an expensive proposition that we've kind of stayed off of it. We've we we've, we've we're doing what we can but we can't allocate millions of dollars. So you don't have anybody protecting the dealers from my perspective, uh, my humble opinion, nobody's really got the dealers back per se to say that, you know, this this can't happen.
1: You use an interesting word combat. Like there's a fight, but you know, disruption has a place like Uber. I mean, I can see this being Uberized, right? Yes. Where basically yes. what's going to happen is the manufacturers are going to create some sort of an application where people can just shop and it's buy a, their buy their car, right? It's
0: a perfect comparison. Mm-hmm.
1: So, but Uber, I mean, I love Uber, right. Right? right? And so the question is, well, is there a way that dealers can either provide a different kind of service or somehow instead of just fighting it for the sake of protecting their turf, but from your perspective as a former dealer, is there a way that you can actually begin to move the market and actually provide the service or fill that gap?
0: So here's here's the number one reason that manufacturers would look at taking on the network of dealerships themselves. And that is the customer experience. Okay. It's not really to pick up a tremendous amount of other profit that dealers are making, because at the end of the day, there's really not a lot of profit. There's only about a two and a half percent margin from gross sales to the bottom line in a dealership. A lot of people don't realize that, but that's the fact, the really? fact of the matter. Yeah, of every dollar that comes to a dealership, if the dealership is well-run, the dealer will only net two and a half cents out of that dollar. So even though they they appear very, very wealthy and they've got these big, beautiful dealerships and, and uh, they probably live very well, it takes a tremendous amount of volume to make any real money in the car business. So the manufacturers, from my viewpoint, would not be getting into the business for the reason of, Picking up that dealer profit. That's not the reason. The reason is for the dealer or the customer to dealer experience. I should say the dealer to customer experience. What Tesla does is they hire their own people and they can dictate better what the experience is going to be like on the showroom floor of a Tesla dealership. We don't have that currently in the franchise system. The experience can be suggested by the manufacturer, but it's really up to the dealer as to how they run their individual businesses. So we have a high turnover, unfortunately, in the retail automotive environment. Uh, We don't have customer or salespeople that stay with us long. Obviously, if you turn on the TV, you'll see some crazy car commercials, you know, in for many, many years, probably since the Model T car dealers have gotten a bad rap as to how they sell their products. Right. Anywhere from clowns that are screaming at you to crazy dealers that are standing on the roofs of their cars or whatever the case might be if in the event that, you'll never see that at Tesla shop, obviously, but if manufacturers got into the business, um, they probably would enjoy a better or a lower rate of turnover among their employees. If, you know, who would you rather work for? Would you rather work for A1 Toyota dealer, or would you rather work for Toyota Motor Sales of of America? You know, um, I would say it's probably the, the latter of the two, right, maybe better benefits, maybe a 40 hour work week instead of a 60 hour work week. So I think what's happening or what has to happen is that much like the Uber experience out there, dealers have to take notice to say, okay, we have to change the way vehicles are sold to consumers. We have got to be way more customer friendly. We can't have them stay in our showrooms for four hours. We can't play games with consumers. We've got to be upfront. We have to be transparent in the pricing. We have to be uh, completely at their beck and call as to how they want to be sold a vehicle with millennials coming to board right now, millennials will represent in the next three years over 40% of all consumer purchases, over 40%. So if we're not doing business the way millennials wish to do business in the car business, then we're really going to be in trouble. So, and that's, you know, that starts with their phone. Right now, about 50% of all vehicles are shopped by a mobile device. So when you think about that, People now not just don't want to just shop for a vehicle on their phone. They actually want to buy the vehicle on their phone. And they want to do the financing, and they want to take a look at the car, and they want to see the videos, and they want to get all the data. And what will happen, I think, in the next 10 to 20 years is the dealership showroom will actually become just a delivery center. So you'll do all of your research online. You'll do all of your connections through text, not phone calls. You'll get all of your information, and when you get to the dealership, that vehicle will be waiting for you delivered by a product specialist. And then that product specialist will have all of the necessary paperwork, all of your contracts. And they've got to be exactly what they sent you in your email. Okay. Probably you're signing the contract, even in a DocuSign situation in your email. So the dealership now really just becomes a delivery center on the front end of the business and a service center on the back end of the business. And it doesn't, you know, the, the importance now of that, crazy Eddie car dealer, come on in, we'll slash prices and we'll bump the trade and we'll do whatever it takes. There won't be a place for that. And so, so as the industry is dealing with uh, companies like Tesla, they will be forced to change the way they deal with their customers, which actually would be a good thing.
1: What happened to the test drive? I didn't hear a test drive in there.
0: very interesting point on the test drive. So that, so test drives have become less and less important to the consumer. so, which is interesting because in the industry, we always felt, okay, well, the customer really has got to take a test drive. You know, the old adage is you've never bought a pair of shoes that you didn't try on. Um, so everybody wants to get the test drive. So what happens is that about 80% of the people that purchase vehicles pretty much know the vehicle that they want. Okay, that means that that's the vehicle, that's the dealership that they're going to choose. If I'm interested in a Mercedes-Benz or a Mazda or what have you, I'm going into a Mazda dealership. I'm not going to start at Toyota. So here's an interesting stat. About 15 years ago, the average consumer shopped seven dealerships before buying a car. Today, it's less than two. It's actually one and a half. So that means that the consumer today already knows based on the information they have at their fingertips, the vehicle that they're going to buy. That's pretty cool. So when they go in, to get back to your original question, what about the test drive? So they'll make the test drive the last step instead of the first step. And they'll say, if this car drives the way that I think it drives, okay, then we'll go ahead and keep, keep the paperwork in place. So all of your contracts will be subject to test drive, much like when you buy a house and you say, hey, it looks great to me, but it's got to be subject to the approval of the inspector, okay, because you don't have an opportunity to crawl through the house when you sign the paperwork. So it's an interesting, uh, you know, thing that's happening right now in the industry. But consumers will come in and say, no, I don't really need to drive the car. If I like the deal that you're going to give me, then we'll make that the last step instead of the first step. That, that is a complete change from the way dealers have sold cars in the past.
1: Yeah. So you've talked a lot about the buying experience, but what about the cars themselves? Because there seems to be a lot happening with the actual vehicles and the technology around the vehicles. What are you hearing about that?
0: Well, my self-driving car will pick me up in a little while. No, I'm (laughs) kidding. Um, Everyone, you know, this, when you talk about, you know, the the vehicles changing the technology, without a doubt, we're we're talking about self-driving cars, right? I mean, that's, those are the days of the Jetsons, you know? And I think even in the Jetson uh, days, the guy was at least steering that vehicle. Right. I was going to say, no, that
1: car, that that That, little thing didn't, hovercraft (laughs) didn't drive itself. (laughs) Right. That's
0: right. So now we've got cars that can actually pick kids up at school and bring you, you know, take you wherever you want as you play games in the back or video games. So the future is very exciting in that area. Um, I I don't know, maybe maybe there's a, maybe there's an, you know, a time that there'll be self uh, uh, selling dealerships where you just kind of go in and push a button and, you know, get all the information that you want and the vehicle pulls around if you can imagine and you jump in and take the test drive and take your thumbprint, put it on the screen and you you download all your information. But, uh, but the technology is a very, 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 very big part of consumers, um, Desires now, You know, it got away from gas mileage because gas is relatively cheap now. And uh, manufacturers are so focused on giving consumers um, a better or better technology in every single vehicle. So that's you get in any car today uh, and you'll see that they have made huge strides in the area of being having a connected vehicle. Uh, which is kind of crazy because everybody tells you you shouldn't be texting and you shouldn't be <laughs> on the phone and you shouldn't be, but then the vehicle kind of screams that, hey, we're just sitting here waiting for you to play with our dashboard, you know, because you can connect, uh, you know, with the internet and you can, obviously we're we're now, uh, we don't even have an atlas anywhere. It's, <laughs> you know, we just plug in the address as we did on the way here today. And and the, literally, obviously the, the voice tells you make a right-hand turn now, 800 feet. So there's going to be more of that and that does play a very big role. However, Having said that, it's it's kind of funny. I'm going to go back on on my word here a little bit. When you think about it, that really means that the salesperson today on a showroom floor has to be has to have all of the information, the knowledge necessary to present that car to today's consumer in the right way. And so, they've, so today's uh, salesperson has got to be really um, educated about their product at an all time high, and 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 very very. Um, knowledgeable about the product so that they can then share that knowledge with today's consumer. It used to be when a, consu- when a consumer would walk into a showroom, it was all about the deal. Okay, you're going to sell me the car. It says 18,000. I'm going to offer you 12,000. We're going to end up somewhere in the middle. And how much are my payments? And can you get me financed at the, at the deal that I want? Today, that's much much less of the process of the sale. Today, it is tell me about the car, the technology, how it works, um, obviously the gas mileage and, and the performance of the vehicle. But but today, today salespeople really spend a lot of time on the technology of that vehicle and what it can do for the consumer.
1: And it sounds like you think that the self driving car is going to is going to happen.
0: Oh, there's no question about it. Every there's not a car line out there that isn't focused on or has a project currently in development. And that's obviously millions, if not billions of dollars for any car company, but they're all bragging about it, that we will have a self-driving car and, and uh, you just pick a brand and they have right now a, um, you know, a, a, uh, a, a lab somewhere that's working on their particular self-driving car. So now it's going to be, okay, who's going to be first to market with the car? How well will it perform and that will be the company that will probably, you know, get at least the first wave of consumers that will be self-driving. It's self-driving cars are a crazy thought for all of us sitting around the table or all baby boomers. Um, but uh, but when you talk, you know, to the parents of kids that are being, you know, uh, born today, uh, it's not so crazy. You know, that they, they, they will come in. Think about it in 15 years when they're ready to get their driver's license and say, yeah, you know, I'm, uh, the, the car is going to take me up to get my license. You know, is there even a need for a license in right. 15 years? You know, make sure the car is registered, you know. But so there's very, very exciting times in the car business really are huge opportunity. It I think all of the challenges that dealers are faced with today will make them better. You know, we we're just talking about before the show started about competition and how it makes companies better. Yeah. And that's exactly what's going to happen in the retail environment. We try to talk about that on our show at (laughs) cbtnews.com. So, you know that that's really that's the information that we want to share with our viewers, uh, those in the car business, to say what's 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 happening today, but you know what's happening five years from now. What's 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 the dealership going to look like ten years from now, and what do we need to do today to ensure our success tomorrow? So, we're constantly focused on that,
1: great. So let's turn the conversation a little bit to, you know, the husband and wife team that I see sitting here, which is really exciting. and And, bridge, I would love to to hear from your perspective how your relationship has helped Cbt news grow and and why you think that you've been successful.
2: I think that um, when we started the company together, it was it was funny. We really didn't talk about what roles each was going to play. We just already knew the strength of each other and, and kind of played on those. And I think that knowing Jim the way I knew him before we started the company really has helped with the growth because we really, we get in and we're pretty synchronized when we get in the office every day and he knows what he needs to do. I know what I need to do. And then we come together quite a bit. Our offices are right next to each other and we <laughs> scream at each other across the, you know, the way there. <laughs> <laughs> <Extreme>. <laughs> I say scream, but we, we really, I think that our relationship is better now because I talked about understanding him before getting into the business. I really understand him more now than I ever have. And, and we do get along better because this is our, we don't have children together. We have children, but um, this is our baby. CBT is our baby. We, you know, live, eat, breathe, sleep when we sleep and you know, <laughs> when we do sleep, but it That's really right. is. And and we, we love talking about it. We love coming up with new ideas. We love, you know, our viewers, our sponsors. And it really, really has, I think, strengthened our
1: relationship. Great. So, you know, I got to ask, what have you, what did you learn about him that you didn't know?
2: <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's funny because before we, we came together as business partners, um, we didn't have, we had a lot of things in common, but we, but this has really, really, our, this is, I say hobby, but it's our business, but it's really what we both enjoy so much. And I think seeing him, he's an extremely intelligent business person. He's um, very really? pa- wow. passionate. Wow. Are you just saying that because I'm
0: staying <laughs> <insane> here? <or? laughs>
1: no,
2: very passionate. And I think that I've learned a lot from him in business and, and probably vice versa a little bit. But um, it, it really works well.
1: Hmm. And what about you, Jim? What do you think? Why do you think it works?
0: Because I'm, I'm an extremely talented business. No, really. um, what, was, what was the term? I'm modest,
1: too. Very Modest, too. Thank you for those
0: kind <laughs> comments. I don't know who you're talking about. But uh, it was interesting when, when Bridget and I, you know, uh, when we weren't working together and I was in business and such. And, you know, I would and, and many people listening to this, whether they be male or female, can can appreciate this. You know, you'll go home and your spouse or your significant other will be talking to you, and you are so not there. You know, you're just thinking about the conference you just left or tomorrow's payroll or whatever the case might be. And she would often catch me and go, You didn't hear a word I just said, did you? You know? And I would say, um, And I'd, I'd be praying, Please let me remember what she just said because I wasn't listening to a word of it. And what's interesting now is I'll catch Bridget where I'm talking to her at lunch. And I'm like, oh, so you're not listening to a word I'm saying, are you? She's like, I know, but we got payroll and we got a, a customers coming in, and we got an interview, and we get I'm like, oh, okay, well, welcome to the club, because that's the life of a you know a CEO mm-hmm. or a COO or a business owner where you you don't just shut it down, you know you. You live it when you go home. And I know many of the people listening today, if you're a CEO, you know, many sleepless nights. You know, you're gonna get the deal, you're not gonna get the deal, you're gonna get the loan, you're not gonna get the loan, are you gonna make the, you know, the payroll, you're not gonna make the payroll, you know, what's gonna happen to my industry? Am I gonna sell? Am I not gonna sell? And it's not it's very, very difficult, right, to shut that off. And go, okay, it's it's home time or it's it's and the the ones I've got friends of mine that go, Nope. I when I walk in that door, I shut it down. I'm like, You are lying. the world's they're biggest lying. liar. You're okay. Lying. Exactly. So uh so I think we learned a lot about each other in, in that and uh, we've been the best part I think is the fact that we've got a trust that you can have, you know, with any other business partner, right? Because any other business partner you think, well, is that really what he's thinking or does he have his own or does she have her own, you know, motives or what have you? But when it's a spouse situation, it's you know, pretty, pretty cool.
1: You know, one of the things that I hear often, you know, pretty much on every show, it's that it's the relationships that make the business work. So just speculate on why you think sometimes it works because not every husband and wife team is like all happy and saying we, you know, we <laughs> yeah. learned so much about each other and now our relationship yes. is better right. that right. we're in business together. So yes,
0: no, I, I completely, and believe me, we're only three years old. So maybe we should have <laughs> a right. follow up, or,
1: you know, in, <laughs> we'll in you five in years, years. <laughs> and and that's
0: if We're still together. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. But, um, so we're still excited and, and, and uh, you know, about, about it, but, uh, but it, you know, listen, it's got its challenges, you know, without a doubt, it, it, you know, for sure we'll. You know, I'll be passionate about something and while we're getting ready in the morning and, and be screaming or, you know, at, at an employee that didn't do something. And she's, the, you know, the person I can vent on and she'll often turn to me, and go, can, can you just not do this right now? It's not even eight o'clock. I haven't had my coffee. You're freaking out. You're ruining my day. And I had, <laughs> didn't even get it started. I'm like, oh, I'm sorry. You know, and and but then the next day she may be doing it to That's me. Right. and I'm like, you know, OK, mm-hmm. well, calm down. Mm-hmm. So uh, we have an hour drive in in the morning. And that kind of calms us down. It does. (laughs) Believe it or not, (laughs) you'd think traffic, right? But but I think we need that buffer, right? So every single morning we get up and the first thing we do is we check the shell. We want to make sure all the websites that we have, which is a a few of them now, because we launched a year ago Service Drive Today, which Mm. is a newscast and and magazine and and, uh, newsletter and such. Uh, for the service side of the industry, so we check all of the websites, and God forbid if there's something that's you know there's a glitch or the show's not running right or whatever, we can't get into the studio quick enough to make that change because you know when we screw up on something, thousands of people see it by nine o'clock, you know, and of course they send emails to us for Texas. Do you know your video is not working on your? You know, like ah oh, geez. <laughs> so we might have a client that that is running a tremendous campaign or a pre-roll that's not functioning properly, and it. Needs our the technical support of our IT guy or, or video, so you know you're always focused on that as well.
1: Mm-hmm. And what's your philosophy on on the other people that you bring to into work with you? Because obviously it's not just the two of you. You have a team of people who are working with you as well. And so, how do you go about choosing people who who will support the, the growth of the business?
0: Yeah, that's good. That's a great question. That's probably our challenge as well as every person that can hear my voice right now and is is to get the individuals that come aboard to share your vision and for the bigger picture, you know, we're, what we're b- building with CBT automotive network, uh, is a business network. So today it might be in the retail automotive sector. Tomorrow there's nothing stopping us from opening up the exact same program in real, et- in real estate, or maybe, uh, the, the legal profession, or maybe healthcare. Um, none of those, by the way, have a daily newscast, you know, specifically designed for their industries. So I hope nobody has takes that and runs with it. But um, so, so to get back to your original question of, of employees, it's it's our greatest challenge. And I will tell you this, the millennials, um, you know, we've got some great people that work for us that are right out of college. They're very bright kids. They do a phenomenal job. But dealing with millennials, obviously, is an entirely new um, uh, thing for me you know, I'm 54 years old. And, you know, when you ask somebody to do something, you expect them to do it. Uh, with millennials, <laughs> you're 50-50. They may do it, they may not do it, right? And uh, But they may they may get it done. You know, they might get it done by the end of the day. They just didn't do it in the fashion or the time that you were used to doing it. And and um, so it, it's, it's a challenge, you know, uh, dealing with them. However, I think what's cool about our relationship with Bridget and I running the company is that we look at everybody. I know this is going to sound very corny, but we look at it as a family. <laughs> as you're laughing, but we really look at it as a family. So you know we're the the mother and father of the of the uh, of the group, right? And uh, a lot of the people that we have are 24, 23, 22. You know, they're fresh out of college, and we have college age kids. So it's it's pretty cool. But uh, we have a very talented team, and and we try to constantly bring them into the loop as to what the future looks like, so that they know what the big picture is. Mm-hmm. We do that. On an ongoing basis, we just had our first conference and expo uh, here in Atlanta at the Omni Hotel, and uh, we brought in Coach Nick Saban and uh, Marcus Limonis from CNBC, and, mm. and uh, yeah, and and uh, as well as uh, Jason Dorsey, who's a specialist and speaker on millennials dealing with millennials and. Uh, which was phenomenal. We also had uh, Patrick Lencioni, who's written a number of best-selling books on leadership and management. We brought in about 800 dealers and their personnel, uh, or in the, and their managers, I should say, for a three-day event here. We're coming back to Atlanta, uh, March 7th through the 9th, with even a bigger conference and expo for dealers as well. So we're very excited about that.
1: Yeah, and so as you think about this, um, you know, this concept of family. Sure, for our listeners. What are some of the specific things that you do to keep your group cohesive, right? And and to foster that family and familial energy?
0: Yeah, that's uh, that's we probably don't do enough. First of all, I will tell you that, and we're we're looking always at you know how do we do either team building or you know take them all out for you know either cocktails or you know to uh, top golf or or something. And we need to obviously, I think, plan more of those events, but. But I think it's really just having great conferences or great um, uh, meetings, you know, on a daily basis and and making them as relaxed as possible, and really making it so that everybody can share ideas and we listen to everybody's ideas, and having everybody have an input in the final product, you know and, mm-hmm. and uh, when we'll turn to somebody and say, hey, hey, we've got a brand new you know trainer that's coming on we have nine different trainers, all of the top trainers in the country. Well, each trainer has their own show on the CBT automotive network. So that what goes into a show is you've got to have the graphics and the opening and the music and the style and and what's going to be on the the screens behind them and the colors used. And we really turn to our, our crew and say, Hey, you know, go ahead and wow us, you know, let, let's see what, and they delve in and, and they jump in. And so they are very rewarded with that. You know, the work that, that they do, um, uh, is seen by thousands of people every day. And, uh, I think that's very re- rewarding for them. Um, and, uh, and, and we give them, you know, now granted I'm kind of a creative nut, you know, but, um, so I do play a big role in that. But, uh, but I, I think that, that just to bring the employees on in on a daily basis as we do it, a meeting might be 10 minutes around, you know, our big kitchen table in our, in our, uh, break room where we share bagels or, you know, Chick-fil-A or whatever. And just have it just, we might, we might spend 15 minutes talking about last night's game or who's doing what this weekend or what have you. They can talk to us about anything. We have a lot of fun with it and they're very unstructured and, and, uh, or it might be a 90 minute meeting in the conference room, you know, to talk about something that's, you know, much more important. So.
1: great, And so as you look forward to, you know, see, you know, the future for CBT, what are you kind of expecting and what are your aspirations and hopes for the company?
0: That we grow uh, to other verticals. That's kind of the number one goal right now. I think we've, I don't want to say we've mastered the retail part of it, but, but that is now off and running. You know, we have the daily newscast in the morning. We sent, we currently send out five and a half million e-newsletters every month to our 118,000 subscribers in the industry. So we're on top of that. They, you know, the industry gets it and what we're doing. So now what we're doing is looking to kind of cross, you know, pollinate into other verticals such as real estate or such as healthcare or legal. We did have um, a company, uh, an automotive company, a manufacturer come to us recently. They started out as guests on the show and were so impressed with our studios and the way that we put these shows together that they came to us and asked us to put together a custom newscast Mm -hmm. specifically for their network of dealers um, and do the website and do the show and have all of the consultants, you know, uh, chime in and help their dealers, but it would be specific for their network of dealers. And uh, it's a, it's a manufacturer that's, that's uh, located. I won't mention it, but they're located (laughs) now here in Atlanta. Um, So we're very, very excited about that. And, you know, the prospect of working with an, with an OEM or a manufacturer on customized, newscasts and programming, which I think opens up a whole new channel for us.
1: Yeah, that's very exciting. And tell us a little bit about the conference and expo. So when the, is, when's the next one? The
0: next one is March 7th through the 9th at the Hyatt Regency downtown. Mm-hmm. We're shooting for about 1200 people in attendance. Um, we've got um, a couple of great speakers lined up. Uh, Herchevik from, um, uh, from Shark Tank. Tank. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, great guy. Great speaker. Brings a lot to the table. Uh, in addition to that, we have Gary V that will be, I don't know if you guys know Gary V, Gary Vanderchuk, uh, has written a number of books and just a real ball of energy and it's got some great content. And, uh, so he'll be, you know, kind of the, one of the other speakers I should say. And, uh, and then we have a whole host of other, other speakers. We've got actually 70 breakout sessions. Mm. They're going to be modeled after the Ted talks where mm-hmm. they will be about 30 minutes in length and uh so that you know if you go to the conference over the 3 days you won't just be able to see um you know 3 or 4 speakers in a day you'll be able to see 6 or 7 you know and and really get the most out of out of each day
1: great so wonderful
0: yeah
1: well if our listeners want to get in touch with you Watch CBT News, read your magazine, attend the expo. How can they find out how to do that?
0: Yeah, so it's as easy as going to cbtnews.com, and and uh, it all starts right there. Our magazines that uh, we have a magazine that we publish, and it reaches every dealership in the country. It's also online, so they can read the digital version of it. Um, but everything is right there at cbtnews.com. You'll see Bridget, uh, who along with Joe Gum, our other anchor, does a phenomenal job delivering the news every day to thousands of people in the car business.
1: Well, thank you so much for a wonderful show.
0: Thank yeah. you for having Thanks us. Thanks for having us. This show is brought to you by Anona Enterprises, where strategy is your access to money and performance. Learn more at AnonaEnterprises.com.